Welcome back to Esports Forever Pokemon Day. My name is Ryan Hebert alongside Warren Arnold, delivering you some of the latest news in all things Pokemon. Today, we've got some exciting news, uh, sp specifically regarding the video game championship series and the casual video game itself. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is set to release November 18th. And of course, we have been gifted with an adorable, an adorable new Pokemon. Warren? Ghost Puppy. Ghost Pupper. Is it, what's his name? Greveard? Greveard, something like that. Greveard? He's a cute little ghost dog, dog wearing a Litwick for his hat. For his hat, it's true. <laughs> it's it's true. An adorable little ghost dog, with a little candle on its head, fur covering its eyes. And it's said that the longer you spend around this Pokemon, the more of its soul it sucks out of you. And Sign so you <laughs> you can see this actually happen in an animated trailer that they made for the release of this Pokemon where the person behind the camera is like filming and slowly but surely they're feeling themselves getting more and more tired, but they're not sure why they're not sure why. And then they find out, you know, or we find out as the audience that, Oh, this Pokemon sucks the life force from you. So, you know, it just goes to show once again, Pokemon, great, great characters, cute characters, ghost type Pokemon are still scary and messed up. That does not go away just because you don't read the description on some of these Pokemon. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Period. But you know what? Speaking of how they released this information, Warren. I wanted to dive in today a little bit about Pokemon's content strategy in terms of releasing new Pokemon before this new game drops and what they've been doing to really build up hype in past in past years, you know, um, you know, they'll, they'll have like some trailers, you know, that sort of stuff. Nothing too out there besides like your regular like press release type trailers, like getting ready for a new game. Maybe some hype trailers, maybe maybe a Pokemon reveal, but not multiple, yep. not multiple. For this game specifically, and uh, Sword and Shield had this a little bit too, but not as much. Uh, Legends of Arceus had actually had this quite a bit too. They've been really testing this out by dropping bits and pieces of new Pokemon for people to kind of eat up as the game gets closer and closer. Because, of course, everyone wants to know, what are the newest Pokemon that I'm going to be able to play with and maybe become my new favorite Pokemon that I get to play with in my game, right? And so what they've been doing is they've hired a pretty much just a full-out designer animation team, and they're, they're putting out all these press releases with like really creative marketing ideas. And so for this, for this latest one, it was basically like someone who was like in the wild on their, like, you know, taking a video on their phone as if you're watching the video from their phone live and they're like, oh my gosh, there's a Gengar. And then they see like a, a hallowed spot on the ground that's kind of lit up and they're like, what is that? And they run over to it. That was the first trailer. The second trailer is like an extended cut where they then reveal the new Pokemon and, you know, it's all cute and cuddly and this, this little, little ghost pupper. And it, it's great. It's really creative. It's really awesome. They also sort of did this uh, about a month earlier with another Pokemon that we all thought was going to be an evolution to Smeargle, uh, which turned out to not be an evolution to Smeargle. However, um, 
it's going to be really interesting to see if it shares any of the same properties, any of the same abilities, uh, really just anything in similar with Smeargle itself. Uh, mainly due to the fact that like it looks like a painting Pokemon. Although what's funny is that you know it, it's a little it's a little monkey or like a little I don't know how to describe it. It's like a little creature with like long fingers that it, like sucks on its like. It's two big, like, pointer fingers that look like paintbrushes, but it's actually, it's like saliva that's blue or whatever. I don't know, something like that. But, again, the way that they revealed that was through an initial smaller trailer and then a longer cut trailer to put out for the people. So, this is a pattern. They're doing it repeatedly. It's working for them. Now, let's not also forget they introduced an electric-type gym leader last week or the week before to drop another Pokemon. So this was a completely different idea. It wasn't just a nature documentary hike. This was an electric gym leader with a lot of sass who's like, oh, you're never going to get this guess this cute and cuddly electric-type Pokemon. And everyone's like, oh, is it Pachirisu? Is it Pikachu? Like, what's her... What's her electric type Pokemon gonna be? Nah, it's a freaking electric frog with it's a perfect. huge belly. It's it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> yeah, Jinx. You know, we as we said it right there. It's actually amazing. But once again, smaller cut video, longer cut reveal. I mean, we've had a few of these at the least, and it just keeps on going. Not to mention the reveal of uh, Wiglet, which is not a water type Diglet. It's just separate i guess um, it's just its own thing it that it's just, just it's just its own thing i think it's a hard sell i think they should have just made it related to diglet but you know what they didn't want to it changed um, the letter and it's a different thing altogether okay. it's a water type worm sticking out of it's a sea worm and it's like okay so that doesn't answer what diglet is for us <laughs> it, it does not and maybe that's purposeful right maybe they don't want us to guess like what's under the ground under diglet we've all seen the memes we've all seen the memes what could be under the ground under that diglet who knows you know strong man that's that's my favorite one it's just a completely buff strong man just underground with like a little diglet head right it's like milo all over again i exactly exactly you know i can't wait can't wait now i i will say this of of all these new pokemon so far um you know none of them strike me as and and also let's not forget about for 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 rigoraf right the evolution to giraffarig i don't know how many of these pokemon are actually going to be viable for play more so that they just exist in the game itself Maybe two. Maybe two. <laughs> I'm gonna bet. Ma I mean, like max five. the ghost. The ghost pupper definitely has an evolution. Uh, they'd be missing out if it didn't. We j obviously they're just not gonna reveal that to us. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, for for Rigoraf, I don't know what its stats are gonna be. Giraffarig is like such a bad Pokemon in general that I I, I have a hard time seeing that Pokemon really being too good. Depending depending on what its stats are, you can have a great ability. But if your stats are crap as a Pokemon, you're not going to see play. Well, we also have to look at what's going to be available in the uh, pool of available Pokemon once we actually see like the full release. Because there are the, always those niche formats, Ryan. 
It's true. Well, that's what we're going to be starting out with. It said that there are, are around 400, 415 total Pokemon in the Pokedex to start out. Of course, they will have DLC for this game. And like Sword and Shield, what a surprise. They, I know, right? Like Sword and Shield, they would add about 100 to 120 new Pokemon from the DLC. And that's that's me being pretty liberal on that number. It could be less. Um, obviously, that's not what every Pokemon fan dreams of, seeing not seeing their favorite Pokemon included in the game, right? How can I play the game without my favorite son, Flora, by my side? It's like, okay, calm down. I, I, think, if you, I think you need to pick a new favorite at that rate. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Have more than one. There are more than a thousand to choose from. My, my goodness. And uh, yeah, so it's 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 really cool, really, really cool to see uh, this, this like super hype release for this game. Although, I'm really curious to see if this game is going to be able to top sword and shield i i don't know in terms of hype if it will sword and shield had like a really unique timeline where the yeah. game releases and then COVID hits and because of that a lot of people had a lot of time to be at home and n- not to do too much else the but, other thing that it's that scarlet and violet was completing with the sword and shield was the first mainline pokemon game on the switch that's it's, true every mainline game that switches to a new console always it always seems, at least in my opinion, to peak more than the other ones that come after it. That, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, they're taking major steps from all of these other games to make this game in the Paldea region. You know, they're they're bragging about it being a truly open world game. They've introduced, you know, the new battle mechanic to just have Pokemon be sent out automatically to battle random Pokemon around you, which I could see is pretty good when doing the main story. As a competitive battler, though, I, I, I'm a little afraid of this idea, this mechanic, uh, because, you know, unless you know the area that you're sending, sending random Pokemon out... Um, you know, you don't want random EVs just popping up from killing like random Pokemon that that decide to just fight. For example, a little pup, right? I don't want to send my little pup out and have it just fighting. You know, five Torkoals in a row to to then realize I need to actually fight another turtle Pokemon somewhere somehow. I don't know, but you get the, the wrong turtle. Goddamn! Exactly, exactly. Back backpedaling real quick. Uh, you said the thing about them releasing DLC for Scarlet and Violet. Yeah, so it's, how how did you how did you feel about that for Sword and Shield? Like how did you actually feel about the smaller starting number and then the DLC editions? Well, I'll have you know I actually didn't buy the DLC until season right. 11. <laughs> right, forgot season about that. Season 12. I I could not have cared less about the True. DLC. In fact, I completely skipped over the first DLC and went straight to the second DLC because the first the DLC, better. the second one's better. The second one gives you access to the Reigns of Unity, which are needed for Calyrex Shadow and Calyrex Ice. I was playing a competitive team in Series 12 that required Reigns of Unity for Calyrex Shadow. So your boy had to drop the 30 bucks to get the <laughs> DLC. Now, this is like the first time in a long time that Pokemon is doing like a pay-to-win sort of strat right here um and sadly it's probably not going to be the last it really does suck that players had had to pay 30 dollars. while that is not too much why isn't this included in the base game especially for the competitive you know it's it's the one thing for me about competitive gaming when you add variables such as breeding such as um basically variables and competitive 
create a disadvantage for people who are not able to get the best variables. That's my that's my argument. So in League of Legends, every character is unlocked for people to play, right? And, and on a competitive team, on their yep. competitive account, right? Because if I was locked out of Syndra and you had access to Syndra and you were like, oh, actually, Ryan doesn't have access to Syndra, that is one champion out of the entire pool that you know that I will not have. And that's how you can build a team comp against me. For Pokemon, right? If you know that I am not able to breed my Pokemon to the best ability, right? To, to have some variability in my Pokemon. Um, you know, that, that means that there is potentially some advantage from the opponent uh, if they were to know that for some reason my stuff was not made the right way, right? If I have a Pokemon with the, with the wrong ability, it's still the right Pokemon, but it's not the right ability. Oh, well, if that's the case, then we're able to completely stomp this dude because, for example, let's say I'm running non-Intimidate Arcanine, Flash Fire Arcanine, right? And it's like, Yo, this Arcanine, if it had Intimidate, this Tyranitar would be would be screwed. But instead, he doesn't. So we can just keep going hard at him with Titar until he tries to burn us with Will-O-Wisp. But even still, we're going to kill him before he does. And so instead of, instead of having that advantage of a level playing field, there's just so much variability in Pokemon. Speaking of variability, terror typing is going to be huge. We have no idea yet how easy or how hard it's going to be to access all 18 terror types for a single Pokemon. We just know that you can go and catch these Pokemon in the wild with a terror type. Are terror types breedable, right? Is this something that you just have to catch naturally? It's said that uh, in one of the DLCs, we're going to be having, we're going to get access to uh, tools that make it easier to, to train up Pokemon for competitive. Uh, similar to that of, uh, you know, PK Hex, popular editing, uh, you know, simulator that allows uh, Pokemon to be genned into games. Not exactly like that, but, you know, uh, something to kind of cut around breeding. We don't know a lot of the variables yet for how the competitive is going to play out. We just know that the competitive season is supposed to start in January, giving players about a month and a half, maybe about five and a half weeks to get their stuff together and then show and up. Then go. And then yeah. go. Literally, it's like six weeks. You you literally have six weeks before you just have to get up and go and, and figure it out, which is the most fun part about the game. And obviously within, within one or two days, people speed run the game and, you know, Serebii's got all going. the info up and then oh, there's all this info out there. And then all of a sudden, you know, hundreds of thousands of views later for people who, you know, put up, how do you find this one specific item in the game? People have made like, you know, a couple videos on it and they're, they're, they're blowing up because everyone's looking for those how to guides at the very beginning of every new game, especially. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have yeah. to say opening opening Scarlet and Violet with I mean, I'm assuming since San Diego Regionals is the sixth of the eighth, it's just that's the first tournament for Scarlet and Violet. Yeah. Besides like small non sanctioned locals in December if those happen. I know. You know, it, that's it's gonna be interesting for sure. It's gonna be very interesting. That's why I encourage any and all to play in any tournament that you can. If you're going to that regional, which I definitely am, I'm planning on it right now. Um, you want to get as much practice in as possible, playing in tournaments with this with this new format, um, and and seeing, you know, what kind of shows up. Players are inevitably going to be probably bringing weather teams. We've talked about this last week. Players like to bring things that are safe, that have a good composition, that they feel like it's going to be good. I actually was watching a video yesterday from Zelda VGC, or sorry, ZVGC, Z Fable, and. Um, Z put out this video talking about uh, Lily Cole with uh, hard TR 
with Hariyama, Bronzong, and um, you know a couple other things. Um, not including any new Pokemon yet, but it was like, yeah, that's a solid team. Hard TR with Torkoal. You've got a fast option with Lilical. You've got a really slow option with Hard TR with Hariyama and stuff. I mean, that does hit home. I mean, it it works well. It's a great consideration. You know, TR, Trick Room, as, as they call it, is a special move that allows the speed stats on the field to become inversed. The fastest Pokemon are now the slowest, and the slowest are now the fastest for five turns. This is a great, it's a great ability. It's a great strategy. It only lasts for so long. Some players are able to able to use it to their advantage. Some, not so much. And so TR, as much as I want to go, oh, this is going to be the answer, may or may not be the answer. I, I'm I'm a little skeptical of, of how it's going to go. And especially um, the spamming of fake out, you know, is, is really interesting too. They've introduced uh, Giraffe Rig's or Farigaraf's ability, which stops all priority moves on the other side of the field, which uh, has everyone wondering, number one, is it going to stop Protect? Because that is a priority move, number one. And then number two, uh, obviously it's going to stop Fake Out. It's going to stop Prankster stuff. It's going to stop, you know, anything anything like that. So the question is, is that ability going to be shared by any other Pokemon? Is it is it going to be going anywhere else? We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. But, um, you know, that could be one reason why for a giraffe has any usage whatsoever, especially early on new, you know, old, old and new players alike love to use some of these new Pokemon in a way that has not been seen before. And so, you know, if someone finds a cracked combination and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, players are dominating at a regional with, with a really cool strategy that had not been seen before. So, We'll see. We'll see. But you're right. Locals hitting up those locals is is definitely gonna be big. Definitely gonna be big. But that's that's when you actually get the game. Speaking of getting the game, um, last week we were uh, most of the community was stunned to find that multiple content creators for Pokemon had actually been personally invited to New York City to participate in like one to two hour, not just New York, probably UK as well, and a couple other places, but to be invited to uh, one to two hour play sessions for Scarlet and Violet. This is another brilliant marketing strategy for the Pokemon Company International for Scarlet and Violet to push out the games, not only by marketing, but through creators and influencers in the community itself. They recognize that there are creators that are popular and that people follow, that people love. And so these creators are the people that went out, were invited to go and play. And man, it was so cool to be able to see their reactions and see what they did and and kind of get some information from them. More specifically, one of those creators, Sierra Dawn, popular freelance comment, uh, host, content, uh, content creator, commentator, caster alike, was able to get a little bit of info and do some digging while she was there. And now, you know, they say that they were playing developmental versions of the game, which means that they were not final. But she found that the new Terra Blast move, which is like coinciding with the large gimmick in this game, which is terrestrialization, has a base power of 80, which is a sizable amount of, of damage, especially when you are getting a new uh, new stab, same, same type attack bonus. It's also said 
and we found this out, that when a Pokemon changes to a new Terra type, it does not lose the additional stab that it had before. So, for example, if a Tyranitar used a Rock or a Dark-type move, which are both the typings of Tyranitar, it would have a stab bonus for either of those moves. If it was to change itself into a Ghost-type, it would have Ghost-type stab on top of Rock and Dark-type stab additionally. Now, what we don't know for sure is that if you were to terrestrialize Titar, for example, into a soul rock-type Pokemon, it would still have its dark-type stab, but it would then have rock-type stab from before and rock-type stab from after, meaning that we have a potential super effective terrestrialization effect happening with this Terra Blast move. Or with rock type moves in general. Meaning huh. you are doing super effective rock type damage to Pokemon that do not take super effective rock type damage. That is the mind blowing factor here for the offensive potential of terrestrialization. It is not just in the defensive nature of this of this ability to change up the game, but rather how it will change up the offensive potential of the game in a way that isn't just a hidden terrestrialization. Rather, what if you take an overpowered Pokemon, such as Kyogre, <laughs> give it water-type terrestrialization on top of the fact that it's already water-type, that is a two-times effective water spout in rain with maybe Mystic Water or you know something to boost it even more. Life Orb, who knows? It's just going to be very powerful. We don't know for sure if it's a two times bonus. We're going to find out. People are going to do the calcs. It's going to happen. For now, you know, we are we are just waiting. We are waiting to see what's going to happen. And we're waiting to see what's going to be revealed. And, um, you know, we every day we learn more and more about this new terrestrialization effect. I got to say, once again... They've shared like a lot more about this gimmick than they have in, in previous games. For you know, for Sword and Shield, Dynamax was just it was Dynamax. It was like, yeah. okay, well, I don't know what this is gonna do. Uh for Sun and Moon, you know, they had Z crystals, and um, you know, those were really, really cool, and we kind of got a sense of what those were. And then uh, you know, before that in previous games, we had the megas, which were which were great. And then before that, we kind of had the power the power gems that would power up a move temporarily for for one turn. Obviously, the power creep is real in VGC as we've only gotten more and more powerful with uh, with some of these abilities here to outdo one gimmick after another. I literally don't know how you're going to outdo the gimmick of projecting a Pokemon to be you know multiple times it's multiple times its size with double the amount of health. I don't know how you top that other than they might hear you. I know. Other than giving a fancy jeweled out crown of of one of the 18 types. Now, here's another interesting thing too. Hidden Power Fairy has never existed. So, you know, this is actually kind of new for a terrestrialization to have a fairy typing for like coverage. Coverage fairy moves on like a Hariyama, for example. How good is that going to be? I don't know. I don't could be pretty good though. It sounds to me like it'll be. Yeah, I mean, I agree completely with what you're saying. It's going to be 
uh, as soon as we find out more about these these moves, it's going to be it's going to be all hand, all you know, hands on deck. It's going it. to be all hands on deck for it, man. Like what's crazy is that there are types in the game that people regard as like the worst types, right? Ice typing, rock typing. I think those two really take the cake in terms of like some of the worst typings. However, Bug. some of the best typings in the game are weak to those types. Right. And so anytime there's ice coverage, anytime there's rock coverage, you're like, crap, I'm screwed. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's what pops into my mind every time I think about the the type coverage of, of these two moves when a Pokemon actually has it. You know, when we were playing in the days of Sun and Moon, hidden power on Landorus Therian, you know, HP ice, right? Huge damage would be able to knock out the opposing uh, Landorus as long as it wasn't av and mm-hmm. statted for it um you know it's like this is returning but in a new and more powerful way that also has like a defensive mechanic to it so we'll see we'll see i mean it's it's a big deal it's going to be a lot of fun i'm excited at the end of the day like this uh, this looks like a really cool ability it doesn't look like it's going to change up how the game is played like dynamax did right because fake out intimidate swapping is essentially what pokemon has been for the longest time swapping them on get a fake out intimidate something swap it out swap it back in global positioning in a battle of pokemon is really what it's been all about with dynamax however yes you had to worry about positioning but then you had to worry about okay what position is going to dynamax to then start taking knockouts left and right are you going to Dynamax early in the game to get early game pressure? Or are you going to Dynamax late in the game to get late game pressure? We found that probably more more than once, you know, late game pressure was the way to go. But I'm sorry, an overpowered Regilecki in electric terrain when Dynamaxed in the early game could take three separate knockouts if you were facing the right team to be able to do so. It's not like early game knockouts weren't a thing. But now, with terrestrialization, yes, you're doing some extra damage. Yes, it can only happen once per battle. But I don't think it's going to essentially change up how the game has played before. And I think this is going to be a little bit of a reckoning for a lot of players who started in Sword and Shield. We might see some of the older players who used to play you know, some of the other series before Sword and Shield really be able to take advantage of the fact that they know how to play this this type of format. Now, yeah. uh, the or, the... Community has been playing a grassroots uh, format known as Spike Muth Cup, where there's no Dynamax and uh, there are no legendaries, I believe. And, um, you know, it's it's been a lot of great practice. That's why people have been playing it, to get themselves used to a different style of Pokemon. That a is better a, style. A better <laughs> style. An original style, right? So that's coming. We'll see what happens when this new format drops and how popular and and how good it will go. Speaking of one last ride, victory road, uh, known for hosting and, uh, you know, known for hosting huge VGC tournaments is hosting one last farewell tour, November 5th and 6th next weekend. Um, which is going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm hoping to play in that and get one last ride out of the team that I brought to NAIC. And then the team that I brought to the SoCal Grassroots that I then won. Is that Series 13 they're doing or 12? 12 slash 14. Oh. oh, okay. 
there's a series 14 right now um, that's coming out after October, and uh, it's basically series 12. So, okay, yeah, hmm. interesting. Quite, quite interesting. It's going to be good. I'm excited. Like, like we, like we've said, great Pokemon reveals. Working with influencers, the marketing team is on point. They are building up the hype for this game as much as they can, spreading the word out there that this game is coming out. At the end of the day, we'll see how popular it is, how 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 well it does. There are multiple Switch consoles that you can buy now, right? As opposed to before when the game first came out, you had the OG Switch. Switch Lite uh, came a little bit later, and then now you've got the Switch OLED. So, so what I'm got, getting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they've got multiple Switch consoles, multiple different varieties of titles for the Nintendo Switch to play, especially when it comes to Pokemon. Tons of tons of Pokemon games now. And uh, this is just the next gen for Pokemon on the Nintendo Switch. The real question becomes after Scarlet and Violet, you know, what is this next big console going to be for Nintendo? We don't have the answer to that. I don't think anyone has the answer to that because I feel like the Switch is going to be here to stay for for quite a little while. I mean, it's just it's just so good, you know? Yeah. It does what it needs to in every single way possible. But yet again, Nintendo is able to re redo and uh, you know, re-innovate, you know, a popular console again and again and again. Now they don't always hit the mark, okay? We're not going to talk about the Wii U. But we got to the Switch because of the Wii U. The Wii U ran so the Switch could walk. Okay? That's that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, you know, any any final remarks, Warren, about uh, you know, any of the Pokemon we've talked about or the releases or terrestrialization? I'm ready to go back to a good format that doesn't involve Dynamaxing. <laughs> I'm 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 honestly excited for a mechanic that's similar to uh the hidden power stuff. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I think it's gonna be really cool to see. And uh I mean we'll see what players are able to cook up. Oh, Here's the the last argument that I that I've heard made about terrestrialization and how many Pokemon it will be on on a team. I've heard a couple ideas on this so far, but the one that I've heard the most is that not every Pokemon will carry Terra Blast. You there will only be two to three Pokemon that maybe have this Terra Blast move because you only get four moves. It takes up a coverage slot, and so keeping that in mind, do you agree? that not every Pokemon on the team should have a Terra coverage move. Because, see, this is this is interesting. I think if every Pokemon on the team had a Terra Blast, right, and a different Terra type, not only does your team cover the, you know, the whatever it needs to with the six Pokemon that you have, I feel like, and it's early right now, so it hurts my brain to even think about this, but I feel like that there is an big brain upper level play to have every Pokemon with Terra Blast with a special coverage move that it otherwise would not get mm-hmm. to allow you to be able to win battles in very niche situations because you have that coverage. You know, ever since I read the, fa- ever since I was told that it was 80 base power earlier today, my brain's been going and going. I'm like, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. This is actually going to be really good because the Terra Blast move is a coverage move of its own, by in in essence. 
Exactly. It, you're right. It does take away like a traditional coverage move, but you also gain a non-traditional one, which you wouldn't have had otherwise. It's like uh, we're going to use Hydragon, for example. You could make it a fairy type if you're feeling so so incredibly insane. Mm-hmm. And then it could have a fairy type Terrorblast, which I mean, on Hydragon, that'd be kind of scary. Also, just going to put this out there, right? Think about how many types resist Dragon, right? Think about the Pokemon types in the game <clears throat> that have the least resistances. If let's theoretically say that if there's a Terra Blast that we know will do standard damage all the time to most Pokemon, what stops you from putting like spamming, you know, Dragon Terra Blast, right? Or Fairy yeah. Terra Blast? <clears throat> I think that that's going to be a thing. I feel like I feel like you could just have a Dragon type Terra Blast. Just because it's going to do consistent damage through and through time and time again. Just an argument. I mean, we'll see as the game progresses. Players are going to think of some crack stuff. I know I'm going to be spending a lot of time trying to dive into this, seeing how it goes. It's really exciting stuff, folks. But hey, thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast here on Esports Forever Pokemon Day. Big shout out to Warren Arnold. And uh, thank you all for watching our video today. Subscribe, like, comment. Let us know in the comments down below what you liked, what you didn't like, if you agree on something, if you disagree on something. And of course, if you're listening in on our podcast platforms, thank you so much for supporting us there. Until next time, we're out.